Welcome to the RSCC podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Adam and I'm on staff here at RSCC. Here at RSCC, we believe that you matter and that God loves you so much. If you want to know more about RSCC or to keep up with what's going on, follow us on social media at RSCC Family or visit our website at rsccfamily.org. We would love to connect with you. I hope you enjoy the message today. Well, it's nice to be with all of you again this morning. Um, last time I was here was almost 40 years ago. And uh, so uh, that was in the 80s. I was on the faculty at, at uh, Cincinnati uh, Christian Seminary. And uh, I came here, actually spoke for a weekend youth revival. Some of you probably were youth at that youth revival when I was here all those years ago. Um, I also spoke at the Sunday morning service. And um, that part of the building down there was brand new, I remember. You could, you could still smell the paint uh, from, the, from the, the remodeling and so forth that had been done. And um, I just remember being so pleased to come here and find this thriving, active uh, church that was really making a difference here in Rising Sun, and, um, and just as encouraged to come back this morning, 40 years later, see God still at work, still with this thriving, active church that's making a difference here in town. And so God bless all of you for that. Uh, a little bit about me, I, I was a, a lead pastor for many years. Um, but for the past 20 plus years, uh, I've been uh, just focusing on my first group, first love, which is small groups and discipleship. And um, currently, the groups pastor, as Adam mentioned, at, at the church, first church in Burlington across the river here, uh, close by, as the crow flies, not close as you drive it, I discovered this morning. Um, but we came to First Church almost 11 years ago, and that uh, was to build up the small groups program, and so we're, we're having a great time doing that. Um, my wife, Becky, will be here in the second service, so if you want to stick around for until then, you can meet her. Uh, but this morning, I'm flying solo in the first service here. We've been married 42 years this month. Yes, we got married when we were seven. And... Uh, my uh, sister, Darla, is going to be here, too, from Missouri. So we tried to build up the attendance for you today and get, uh, get all of my family here. Uh, we have two children. We have Amanda, who is a grad of uh, Northwestern grad school up in Chicago, and she is a screenwriter out in Hollywood. And so we uh, get a lot of um, California vacations on the cheap. That works out really good for us. And uh, then also we have our son, Bryant, who is a... Uh, um, um, a grad of Belmont University down in Nashville, and he is a, uh, a professional musician down in Nashville. And um, neither are married. Um, they're, they're both talking about it at this point. And so we, we might see some grandchildren in this thing eventually here before we, before we leave the planet. We're hoping uh, that something happens there. So that's just a little about me. Um, you have been doing a sermon series uh, where you're working your way through the fruit of the Spirit. And um, it's interesting, the fruit of the Spirit, Paul words it in such a way that all nine of these things uh, combine to make up one fruit of the Spirit. So if you want to impress your friends with your knowledge of Greek grammar, uh, remind them this is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. And he describes that fruit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, where he mentions the, there's love, there's uh, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
And today we get to that part of the fruit, uh, usually translated kindness. So thinking about kindness, um, I, I, I was thinking about this church, so I thought back to my last visit to, to Rising Sun. And um, at that visit, one of the elders asked me to come and play a Sunday afternoon golf game with them. Uh, that person could be here today, I don't know. Um, you probably don't remember my name. I don't remember yours at this point because we both probably are trying to block out that golf game, uh, which I'll describe for you and you'll understand why. Um, but if you, if you remember this actually happening, please come in and reintroduce yourself afterward. I'd love, love to see you again. Uh, before agreeing to this outing, I wanted this elder, uh, just I, I, war, I wanted to warn them that I, I played golf like uh, once a decade and, um, and the only skills I had were whatever you could uh, accrue playing a putt-putt about once a year. So that was about as good as my golf game was. And, uh, and he was okay with that. And he graciously agreed to, uh, to uh, pay my green fee, and he rented some clubs for me. And so uh, from the first hole, I just... I lived up to the skill that I had claimed for myself. I sliced the ball way over in the woods somewhere, um, you know, never to be found again. And, uh, and this elder was just like so patient and, and just gently offering these little, little bits of advice. And uh, along about the third hole, you had to tee off there and get it uh, across a pond to get over to the green. And um, this, this pond was, in my memory, uh, approximately the size of the Atlantic Ocean. You know, so I just looked terrifying. And I hit a ball, ball hit a ball, got about halfway across, hit another ball, got about halfway across. My host assured me that it was fine to take a mulligan and just chip from the other side over where the green was. And uh, this elder just remained completely composed throughout the game, always kindly encouraging me, uh, even though he probably really would like to have shot me, you know, it's just it's that bad. Um, my drive on another hole uh, actually got stuck in the top of a tree somewhere. I remember this really well. And by the time we finished nine holes, which was all we did, I had used five golf balls to do uh, those nine holes. And this elder never lost his composure. He was uh, gracious, supportive the whole time. And as we got into the car to drive back, um, he said he hoped that we could play again sometime. And uh, I remember thinking, I've never heard an elder lie like this, you know. Um, but, but he was. He was just the embodiment of, of this part of the fruit of the Spirit that, that we're going to talk about today, uh, the, this idea of kindness. Uh, kindness comes from a Greek word, krestotes uh, is how you say that. It looks like that in Greek. Um, and, and the closest that we can come to capturing its meaning in English is to use our word kindness, but in Greek, this is like a really deep, rich kind of a word. Um, depending on how you're using it, it can be translated virtuous, excellent, uh, and even gracious can be a translation of this word. Besides Galatians 5, uh, Paul encourages us to be kind in some other writings as well, uh, 2 Corinthians 6.6. 6. This is a passage where Paul is describing how he was being persecuted, and, um, and he was suffering injustice, and he says that he responded in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. 
I couldn't help but think of Colossians 3.12. He says, therefore, as God's uh, chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, uh, gentleness, and patience. Kindness is a sort of inner beauty that, um, that blooms into a loving Christian character. Krestetes uh, can also mean useful. So it's, it's not just like putting on a kind face. It's, it's an active benevolence. It's not just the, the gentle voice stopping briefly by the bedside. Uh, it's the tender hand that stays to feed, uh, to wash, to heal. In the fruit of kindness, we can look to Jesus as our example in many ways. Uh, Ephesians 2.7 refers to this, that God might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Or Titus 3, 4 and 5, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Uh, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Uh, Jesus demonstrated how uh, because God has shown this undeserved kindness to us, uh, we now know how to turn around and show that kindness to other people. When Jesus was here, he uh, showed kindness in countless ways. I couldn't help but think of, of the story in Luke 7 uh, Jesus is like cruising through this little town called Nain, and he and his disciples uh, have to pull over because a funeral procession is coming by. And Luke says, the dead man was the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, a thing you did not want to be in the first century, no resources. As far as I know, the Lord had never met this, this destitute, uh, hurting woman, but verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Verse 14, then he went up and touched the coffin. That was socially unacceptable. Uh, but Jesus thought not passing up on this opportunity to show God's kindness. So he touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. That was cool enough, but don't overlook this next part. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. You see Luke catching the, the warmth of that moment, kindness. Now, Jesus is a busy guy. He's he, here to save the world. Can he really afford to get bogged down in, in these kind of details? He thought so. In the midst of this great big mission that he had to do out here, he took time in this little nowhere town to talk to this one little unnoticed lady. That was kindness. And I wonder what impact you and I could make with our lives if we would not always have to be running to the next thing with a deadline in front of us, and instead we walked around with our radar up for the hurting people that God is, is putting in front of us. If we were to, to just to intentionally build into our lives more margin so that when God brought those people, we would have time to help. We'd have the heart to help them and show kindness. Uh, on the lighter side, my, uh, my wife Becky and I experienced uh, kindness somewhat like this uh, 42 years ago on our honeymoon. 
Um, we had been, we've been married a long time now, uh, but you may be interested to know this almost did not happen because we almost died about five days into our, our marriage. And I only have time to give you like the short version of this here. So let me start with Becky and me uh, on our honeymoon, lost on a, a hike uh, in the desert of the Colorado National Monument. That's over on the west slope of the mountains. 105 degrees and, uh, and no water. So this has been going on for several hours. We're just wandering around out in the desert and our skin's cracking and we can hardly talk and we don't have any moisture in our mouths. And I, I just remember imagining the, uh, the newspaper headlines, stupid husband leads honeymooning couple out into the desert to die. You know, this, this would be our legacy, you know, in the family lore for the generations to come. And, uh, and we were just about out of strength, and we finally came across a little country road. It was the kind that like a one car per century comes down, um, but it was our only hope, and so we picked a random direction, and we started, started walking down the road. Fortunately, God sent down that road uh, a family from Texas, in their Volkswagen bus. And as, as frightening as we must have looked, uh, they had pity on us and they picked us up. Uh, we had actually gotten outside the boundary of the park and so we had to pay for the Volkswagen family to be admitted to the park and then drive 19 miles by road back to the place where, where we had started. I, I always remember that all they had in the, in the van to drink was a, a can of Pepsi Light, which is this sort of like short-lived product that was a lemony-flavored Pepsi, uh, not engineered to quench the thirst of a dying couple. It was just like drinking chewing gum. And, um, and so when we arrived back at the car, there were, the only water source was like one of those hand pumps like they used to have in the farmhouse yard. And uh, I remember we were just like animals, you know, sticking our heads under and trying to get some water into our bodies. Uh, but we did live to tell about it. And, uh, and it all happened because a family of strangers stopped and showed kindness. Where in your life and mine could, could kindness, this part of the fruit of the Spirit, be more evident? If, uh, if my life were to become marked by the kindness that Jesus modeled so well when he was here among us, what kind of influence would I have? What difference would my life make for Jesus that it isn't making right now if I were known for my kindness? If I were to take the kindness of Christ daily into the place where I work, how might it eventually uh, spread and, and, and change the atmosphere in my workplace? If our family decided that we were going to be a family that was kind to each other, how different would our home look? What would this church look like if everyone here tried to just outdo each other uh, by letting this fruit of the spirit of, of, of the spirit kindness be manifested here in the body of Christ? The kindness of Christ, it's, it's a gift in our lives because of the Holy Spirit. And it's a gift to our world as we let that gift be known. Now, talking about the world, I serve on the board of a, uh, a missions organization called Team Expansion. And uh, a few years back, I was at a gathering with some missionaries from the country of India. They had, uh, 
grown up as, uh, they were Hindu and, and they were from a Hindu, dominantly, predominantly Hindu people group, but they had become Christians and then they had decided uh, eventually that they would start reaching out to other people groups in India that didn't know Christ. So at one point, they, uh, they felt this strong urging from God's spirit to, um, to preach the gospel in uh, a series of fishing villages that were, were somewhere along the east coast of India. And they, um, they, went, they went, just went to village after village, proclaiming the truth and love of the gospel, but um, had no response. No one showed interest. In fact, some of the villages threw stones at them to get them out of town. So they're like scratching their heads and going, God, why, why did you call us here if these folks are not going to be receptive to, uh, to the message? And then they found out why. While they were at one of the villages, they got word that a fire had spread uh, through uh, the most recent village they had visited, and uh, the whole village had burned to the ground. So they went back and what, to try to see if there was something they could do to help. And they decided that they would take on the task of rebuilding 14 of the huts at their own expense. The villagers were overwhelmed by this act of kindness. And they began to say to each other, if this is what Christians do, even after we treated them badly, uh, maybe we should pay closer attention to what they're saying. And within a fairly short time, uh, the leaders in that village accepted Christ. And then not long after that, those villagers went back to those other villages that had thrown, thrown stones at the original preachers of the gospel there, but these folks started telling them about the rebuilding and about uh, their acceptance of Christ, and pretty soon a bunch of those villages came to know Christ. And I just, I just love that story. And it all happened because of the kindness of some Christians. It starts with simple acts. I don't know how many times I've uh, had someone from our church spot me in a restaurant and pay for my meal without me knowing. Um, or I've had, uh, you had this one yet, the, the anonymous person in the drive-through in front of you paying for your meal. Anybody had that happen? Yeah, I see some nods there. I, I was thinking as I was writing this down that I, I probably should actually do that sometime. Everybody does it to me. I haven't actually tried it myself, tried that act of kindness. Um, but those small acts can mean a lot. Some of you are um, probably at the stage of life where Becky and I are, um, and uh, a lot of people's stuff is stored in your basement, you know, like especially relatives. You, you know, I, I, hear the, I hear that laugh. Some of you have this going on, I can tell. Um, we had several relatives pass away in a short time, and we ended up with a lot of stuff in our basement. And we've moved a lot, gotten a lot of it out to somewhere, I don't know where all, but um, at one point, I remember we had six box fans, and uh, we have an air-conditioned house, so we don't really need them very often. So um, we kept watching for places where someone could use a box fan, and uh, they think we're being kind, but we're actually just trying to get all this junk out of our basement. But that's an easy way to show kindness. Um, we ended up, I remember, with four snow shovels, and of course there are two of us living at our house, so we don't really need four snow shovels. So last year, when uh, the family from Mexico City, uh, where it never snows, moved in next door, 
to Florence in the middle of winter, um, I suspected they didn't even own a, sh a snow shovel. And so I took one of ours over and that opened up the door for us to start a relationship with uh, Jose, who's an engineer for Bosch, and his wife, Paulina, and their kids. And there can be hidden blessings with uh, kindness because they soon reciprocated by bringing us some excellent home-baked goodies. So we were glad to, glad to receive those and have their kindness shown to us. Uh, for the past 20 years or so, I've uh, taught Intro to Philosophy uh, for, for Ivy Tech Community College of Indiana. We used to live in Evansville, so I started live over there. Uh, I think the closest campus might be Lawrenceburg to you all for, the, for Ivy Tech. Um, and uh, every semester, there's a, it's like a wide range of beliefs. Um, there are atheists, there are strong Christians, there are students who don't know what to believe yet. Um, because it's in my bio that I'm a pastor, uh, some of the atheists come to class the first night like with both guns blazing because they figure I'm going to try and force my beliefs down their throat and uh, they're, they're ready for a fight. So I just spend the first few weeks gently listening, responding, letting them know I'm interested in their thoughts, um, saying, saying what, what can I learn from you about this and just kind of taking that stance. And... Um, it's been fun to watch. We get about halfway through the course, and uh, some of my best conversations inside and outside the classroom uh, happen with the atheists. We, we built some great relationships. Uh, there's a sidebar here I have to mention. Um, I, I always find it ironic that as time goes by and they decide they like me, um, inevitably one of the atheists will come to me privately, like after class, and say something like, I'm really scared. Uh, they just told my mom she has cancer will you pray for me? And um, I'm thinking like, pray to whom? I don't say that to him, you know, but, but um, uh, I just try to, to gently be patient, pray for them, care for them. And I always try to make it a point to continue to follow up on them. Um, so that just showing that kind of kindness without making the situation difficult unnecessarily. And I usually don't get to see the long-term res results in their lives. Um, but um, I suspect there could be some former atheists running around out there today uh, just because of the kindness shown to them in a philosophy class. So I'm glad to get that, probably that little part in whatever journey God, God has for them. Kindness. It, it actually would be hard to think of something we need more right now today than kindness. We have uh, Christians yelling judgments at the world. We have uh, Christians yelling judgments at each other. Um, we have Republicans and Democrats demonizing each other. Uh, would it be so hard for us to slow down, show a little kindness, and listen to each other? What we're doing right now doesn't seem to be helping much. And uh, instead of doing this us-them thing with the world over every little issue, you know, what, what if we Christians developed a reputation as being the folks who bring some common sense to the table and who take the time to, to listen to what people are saying? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. You, you don't have to change your beliefs to be kind, you know? You don't have to change your beliefs to be kind. And I, and I want to say this, just these two words, tone matters. Are you with me? 
tone matters. This has to do with kindness. So let me finish with this story. Uh, Becky and I went to Bible college uh, with Rob. No, no real names being used here. Um, we did not know then, but uh, uh, a few years after we all left school, Rob began to publicly let people know that he was adopting a certain lifestyle. Uh, most of us didn't know what to make of that in the 80s, uh, but uh, since we never, never saw Rob, we really didn't give it much thought. <clears throat> Rob went on to uh, get his master's in public education. He moved to California about 30 years ago where he thought his life, lifestyle would be more accepted. Um, he settled in Hollywood and taught in the, uh, the public school system for years and then was a principal for, for many years. And along the way, when California allowed it, he got married and uh, eventually retired a couple of years ago. So during the past few years, Becky and I became aware of Rob again uh, through a Facebook uh, page that some of our college classmates had started. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, our daughter lives in Hollywood, and so we got to thinking, you know, that's where Rob lives. Most of his old friends from college probably haven't had any contact with him in years. Do you suppose he would be open to us having dinner with him the next time we're in L.A.? We reached out. Rob was thrilled to hear from us. And we set a date to get together. He asked if it would be okay if he brought Jay along. We said, of course. And for, for two hours, um, in, in a little Italian place just off Hollywood and Vine, um, we listened. And, and Jay and I really hit it off. Like he had for a long time hoped to be a pastor, couldn't see a way to it. Uh, Rob and Jay identify themselves as Christians. Their faith is very important to them. They show up for church services every week, even though their pastor does not accept their relationship. And, and we just exchanged stories, and they told us their stories. And, and most of the stories were just like what anyone would talk about, elder, elderly parents are dealing with that. What about retirement coming in our lives? What's that going to be like? And we just had a nice visit, and we all said goodnight, and we said we'd get together again when we were out in L.A., and, uh, and we continue to stay in touch with Rob. Look, folks, I know there are some biblical realities here, but I also know a door opened that night, a door that would not have opened if we had had to be right and we had polarized the situation right off the bat or just avoided Rob because of his history. Instead, there was kindness. And I want to say that that kindness was shown by all four around the table. It came from both directions. And, um, and it created a learning experience for, for all of us. So I just want to ask you as I close, who, who is God calling you to be kind to? It might be in the body of Christ. That could really make a difference in the uni unity. Is there someone that's outside the body of Christ that God is asking you to be kind to and do this, to do a marathon with them, not a sprint in a relationship that, that might really influence them uh, with the love and healing of the gospel? Um, so I, I just really challenge you to, uh, to think about that and, and think about the ways that God may be asking you to, to release kindness in your life this week. Lord, um, thank you so much for this wonderful gift that you have already put in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, this gift of kindness. 
Um, and I pray that you would help us to, to see that and to, to release that kindness and to uh, just begin to listen to your voice and to see the people around us that we might take time to, to, to care for and to show the kindness of Christ to. And we pray that the result of those acts will, will help the, the, the body of Christ to be stronger, and we pray that, uh, that the world will regard the, the, the lives of Christians and Christianity in a positive way because of the witness that we are having through our actions. And we pray this today in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining in with us today. We hope that you were blessed by this message and that you were drawn deeper in faith with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to continue the conversation, please feel free to email us at info at rsccfamily.org. Thanks for the listen and have a great day.